Blog Talk Radio. Hello. Grace and Peace, Heart to Heart, encourages women from all stations of life and from every nook and cranny of our world from a biblical perspective. Grace and Peace, Heart to Heart, encourages women from all stations of life and from every nook and cranny of our world from a biblical perspective. Okay, I'm not sure what's going on, folks, but uh, and I'm not really sure if you can hear me, <clears throat> but I'm going to proceed as if you can. It seems as though I'm on the air, although I am not getting the proper feedback, so I am really not sure. The, the title of today's show is Moving Beyond Shattered Valves. During today's episode, we will look a bit deeper at the role of forgiveness and the importance of a shared vision. I pray that you found the insight from these readings as inspiring as I have. These are times, today we are in times of tremendous pressure on the family. Laser, our author, Her transparency with her particular shattered marriage and its wholesome rebuilding illuminates the hope that is available to and for any one of us. As always, if you'd like to call in during the show, please dial 563-999-3558. So, Debbie says, if you are working at forgiving, you will refuse to punish your husband for his behaviors. We can punish others in either passive, aggressive ways or direct ways. Sarcasm is one of the subtle forms of punishment that is hard to control and easily used because it is received with laughter. That's a powerful, a powerful sentence. It's, as an aside, I just have to say it's what bullying is made of. I actually watched a program yesterday wherein I think it might have been six or seven adults bullied another adult. And they all laughed about it. Of course, he didn't laugh, but they all laughed. And no one in the laughing party had the gumption or even the nerve 
to not only not halt the situation, but to step outside of it. Anyway, picking up. If you still feel anger towards your husband, but don't want others to know, you can cover it up with humor, and it comes out as sarcasm. Carla was in the church lobby visiting with friends when her husband came up and complimented her on how nice she looked. She turned to her friends and said, Yes, my husband is an expert at picking up pretty women. The Latin root of sarcasm means to tear the flesh. Carla's sarcastic comment tore the flesh of her husband, who previously had wounded her with his infidelity, but today was trying to honor her. Beth decided to start spending money carelessly, subconsciously getting back at her husband who had used family money to procure prostitutes. She was outraged that she had sacrificed for years to make the family budget work, and she hadn't yet found a healthy way to express her anger. Another aspect of forgiveness is to use discretion in sharing facts of the sexual betrayal with others. Don't gossip for the sake of spreading the news to anyone and everyone. Don't relieve yourself of pain by spewing out the hurt to whomever happens to be listening. Guard the reputation of your husband, even though he has hurt you. Instead of talking indiscriminately about the wrongs your husband has committed, find several safe women who will hear your whole story and support you. We all need to have safe people and places to talk about our pain. And it is possible to talk with discretion. As I was working through some of the roadblocks to writing this book, I realized one of them had to do with this dimension of forgiveness. I wanted to guard Mark's reputation and the truth about who he is, which is a very good man. By sharing my story of pain and redemption, I knew it would be necessary to share some of Mark's sinful sexual choices. I wasn't convinced I wanted to do that, to drag out bits and pieces of our painful past. When I talked with Mark about my dilemma, he thanked me for being sensitive, then assured me that nothing I would write would differ from what he already shares when he tells his story through his writing and speaking. Only with his complete blessing did I agree to write a book for women. Another aspect of forgiveness is to be merciful. Kendall reminds us that receiving mercy means not getting something we do deserve. Mercy differs from grace which means getting something we don't deserve. If you extend mercy to your husband, you are withholding revenge for the hurt he has caused you. You make a decision not to get even, not to give him what he deserves. You offer mercy by withholding your justice for his betrayal. A decision to be merciful is a decision to turn justice over to God. If he decides that justice must be rendered, 
then he will provide the circumstances. Wanting things to be fair today is an urgency that is hard to let go. Most of us are so impatient that we can't imagine waiting months, years, or even a lifetime for God's justice. And the truth is that we may not even witness justice in our lifetime. We aren't given that guarantee. In fact, God may decide to extend mercy to your husband, just as he often extends mercy to you and me for our sins. Tanya confessed to me that she was explosively angry when her husband admitted to having an affair. She says, Anton knew how devastated I would be because we had talked about the pain I felt watching my father cheat on my mother. I couldn't believe what I was hearing when he finally admitted his secret relationship. I didn't even call a friend or let any of the pain sink in before I called an old boyfriend and invited him to be sexual with me. Tanya took justice into her own hands. She was intent on showing him what betrayal felt like. Working to forgive means that we are willing to give up getting even in some way. When you decide to forgive, you work to be gracious in the process, says Kendall. You have many opportunities to tell the truth, the whole truth. Being gracious is about choosing what you don't say when you could be saying more. This element of forgiveness is tricky because I've been challenging you to practice being authentic. I believe that being authentic first involves discerning when it is safe to do so. Not all people can be trusted with all confidences. You must decide the kind of company you are keeping. If you're in safe company, you can decide how brutally honest you will be versus how generally authentic you will be. The choice is not black and white, to tell everything or tell nothing. Recently, when I visited with my father-in-law, who lives in a nursing home, he asked me how Mark was doing and what he was speaking about these days. I wanted to be honest about the healing influence Mark was having on many hurting people. However, Mark and I had agreed previously that we didn't want to divulge the nature of his speeches, which sometimes exposed the abuse his father had perpetrated. I chose to be gracious but authentic. Dad, you would be proud of Mark and all he is doing for people hurting from sexual sin. He speaks from his heart with great compassion. True, forgiveness is a choice from the heart. It is not an agenda item to get through. It is a decision you make when you trust your heart enough to know you are ready. Only you will know when you have healed enough so that you will no longer choose to punish, keep score, uncover more facts, spread gossip, or judge your husband. After the disclosure of Mark's betrayal, I was very angry with God. I thought I had sacrificed 
every fiber of my being to be a good wife and mother. Why me, I wondered. Am I such a disappointment to God that he has turned away from watching over my life? Years later, when I could more clearly see purpose in my suffering, I was able to let go of my anger at God for not sparing me from the painful events and adversity in my life. Finally, total forgiveness means you need to forgive yourself. I'm not sure this paragraph belongs last because I now know that in working to forgive myself, I've become much more aware of how to forgive others. I was awakened to my own brokenness as I muddled through the pain of betrayal. I too had hurt people and damaged relationships. I too minimized the truths about who I am in Christ. In not believing that I was adequate, lovable, cared about, and chosen, I coped in unhealthy and hurtful ways. I wasn't all that I could be, all that God created me to be. Kendall speaks pointedly to some of us when he writes, probably what we all want to say is, well, what I did wasn't nearly as bad as what they've done, and that's where we are wrong. God hates self-righteousness as much as he hates the injustice that you think is so horrible. And he certainly does not like it when we judge. So if you must forget the sins of which God has forgiven you, at least remember that one of the most heinous sins of all is self-righteousness. Stepping down from my self-righteous perch and owning what I do and what I neglect to do allows God to change my character. I couldn't begin to know how to forgive Mark completely if I didn't first experience forgiveness for myself. And I needed to know what I was forgiving myself for before I could do it. I wouldn't have known to examine my life if I hadn't been in enough pain to do so. Therefore, this process of forgiveness was what most enlightened me to a major purpose of my pain, to make me capable of being a broken companion to others, especially my husband, as we, for, as we explore and forgive how we have silently and secretly tried to manage our lives in ineffective and harmful ways. <clears throat> A vision is needed. A vision is a clear mental picture of where we desire to go in the future. It arises out of our perception of God's calling, plan, and purpose for our life. When we develop this vision, it will help us make daily decisions based on their consistency with the vision. Mark and I felt God's calling on our lives to work together, ministering couples who were dealing with sexual addiction. As our vision grew, we began looking for a physical space in which to do this work. 
we soon begin noticing for sales signs and ultimately a building site that is now home to our counseling center. With the vision of working together planted firmly in our minds, we began seeing possibilities we never would have noticed before. Creating a shared vision keeps you on track when the going gets tough. And the going, my friends, will get tough. Having a vision for the future requires making changes in the present. And change always brings with it loss, chaos, and mixed emotions. Even if the change you seek is good, you leave something behind as you move on to a new challenge. When you work together to create a shared vision, you experience not only joy in building something new, but also sadness in letting go of something familiar. Learning to talk about those feelings together is another way you connect emotionally as a couple. A shared vision should encompass every area of your life together. However, since you can't tackle everything at once, allow me to suggest five areas to focus on as a starting place. And those areas are emotional health, work, social life, sexuality, and spiritual life. Well, my dear beloved, we are going to end our reading here. There's still more. However, I I attempted to hit on some of the more salient points and chapters And if you are interested in obtaining the book, once again, it is entitled Shattered Vows by Debbie Laser. And Laser, Debbie, first of all, is D-E-B-B-I-E, and Laser is L-A-A-S-E-R. It is published by Zondervan. Thank you so much for joining me for this reading today. I want to let you know that I am going to take several weeks off, but I will post when my return uh, is expected and give more details for what will happen next on Grace and Peace Heart to Heart. This is Zenobia Bailey saying farewell, and I'd like to wish every mother and every prospective mother, every woman who has any influence over any child, no matter the age, a very happy and blessed Mother's Day. Goodbye for now.